0: Welcome to Flip the Score Podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Andrew. I'm Josh. And tonight we're going to be talking about uh, retro gaming. Uh, you know what we like about it, what we don't like about it, what uh, what really is retro gaming, what is considered retro nowadays. Since guys, it's not 2007; it's 2021. Every day I wake up and think, what? it's, You know, when did this happen?" Yeah, I don't know. Fucking it. You're telling me I woke up one day was like, "Oh God, it's really, really far into the future." Um, but before we talk about the future of retro, <laughs> let's talk about what we've been playing. Um, I'll start because I have played just one game. Uh, I'm continuing uh, my adventure in Farewell Oregon in Days Gone. Um, I, it's uh, it's it's fun. Like I'm having a decent time with it. Uh, it's I'm having such I'm having such a good time with it that when my mom comes over to help me with the baby, she makes comments about what my character does. Mm. Like, for instance, I was trying to kill some zombies and I got killed by a swarm. And my mom's like, I don't think that's how you're supposed to do it. Mm. And I was like, oh.
1: And and then then you threw the controller and say, well, you do a better mom. (laughs)
0: So I tried to make my son do it, but he just yelled at uh, me. So,
2: um, <laughs> well, what are you uh, even doing? You should be gaming I, by I, now. What are you teaching this kid?
0: Hey, hey, Theo, <laughs> grab a controller. What are you doing eating over there? Um, but <laughs> Why I make that comment is because um, I, I, this game is so laid back. Like There's a serious story behind it. But most of the time when you're out there just driving along, it's kind of relaxing in a weird way. Like, yeah. The the landscape and visuals in this game are just gorgeous. That like I really love just driving my motorcycle from to and fro, and just like seeing all the just cool trees and hills, mountains, all the set piece stuff they have inside of the you know environments. Uh, <laughs> There are a lot of goofy bugs. Well, they're not bugs. They're just weird things that have happened. Like, uh, I had a deer clip onto my bike while I hit it, and that was pretty funny because it was a big fucking deer on a bike. Uh, and then I... Sometimes I'll go to, like, climb something or try to jump on a rock and then I just get stuck, and it's weird, but... Uh,
1: when when, having... I was, when I was playing Out of glitched where I went up to a zombie, and I, uh, I snuck up behind it, and I went to like uh you know kill it all stealthy like and then my character deacon glitch like i want to say like 50 feet in front of a zombie and then he just still did the animation and the zombie still died but i was still only 50 feet <laughs> away from where i was
0: it's <laughs> and like the, the glitches that i've had they're nothing that's like game breaking or making me angry they're just yeah. funny open world glitches that i enjoy um
1: let me uh, let me let me ask you: When you've been playing, do you uh you wish you had a co-op
2: partner with you?
0: Uh, no, uh, you know what? I don't. But, oh, okay. um, I, I think that they thought
2: so. I, okay. that I mean, I can't wait for the sequel of this game.
0: Yeah, dude, I cannot wait. they have been working very hard on it. It's uh, going very well. Um, I I um I see where the criticisms come in. It, it it's bland at times. It's the missions aren't always that fun. Uh, some of the enemies are kind of boring too. A lot of the ambush camps are all almost the same. Uh, they're just, you know, laid out different and the going to find the camp and then going to a bunker is like, okay, thank you for not making this a tower. I guess thank you for making me like have to earn a map. I don't know. It's okay. Okay. But it's, um, you know, I like the gun and gun I've been getting more guns, uh, more skills ranking up. Uh, you know, story's fine. It's nothing that's like getting my attention, but it's. I like the dynamic between Deacon and uh, Sarah. I like their. I like those cutscenes. I think they're really, really your fiance. Whoever I mean, plays Sarah, it is weird. Hey, did you know that you like bikers? She's shaking her head no. Um, but whoever plays uh, Sarah, I really like her acting. She's. Yeah, really good.
1: Alex, I I I, I want to see you and chaps. Like, uh, in chaps. Uh, I You uh, do okay. So
0: so. Uh, do you think Stockingfield Field still has someone can go look? Hi, <laughs> I mean, hi. Any chaps? They could be assless, Doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, so. What's What's funny is that Stockingfield Field is opening back up. They're under new management. And okay,
0: so it is opening up. What the yeah,
1: fuck? they're <laughs> under new management, and now they're rehiring, and which we, is kind of a like a, a shot in the dick for everybody <laughs> who, who quit.
0: Guys, corporations suck. Don't support corporations <laughs> yeah. unless you work for one like the one that might be listening. Mm-hmm. Um, but Days <laughs> uh, Gone is a fine game. It's it, it keeps me occupied. It's nothing that it's nothing that's too difficult, except when the swarms come. Those things are fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, but it's overall it's an enjoyable game, and I like to just chill out and play it. So that's what I've been doing. Josh, uh, you told me before you were are playing some Outriders.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, it
0: was... Now, did you recruit your brother to play? Uh,
1: you know, I, sh- I sure tried. I sure gave you sure it...
0: sure tried? I, but why I, is he... I,
1: I sure gave it my A-plus effort, and uh, Andrew said, you know what? Uh, you know, I I love my bro, but not that much to play Outriders, apparently.
2: Huh. That's your... That, that huh. was an A-plus effort?
1: <laughs> I mean, I I I want to say I probably asked you like half a dozen times, hey, you want to play Outriders with me?
0: That's That's a good mm. effort.
1: Um, I, I even like, I was like, Hey, make sure you got it downloaded on your console. Um, and
0: then he didn't, that's oh damn. So tell me how your experience, uh, is in this video
1: game. So here, here's the thing I'll start with first is I know a, a lot of people are uh, I've read some, um, takes of this game online and a lot of people have said that the story is kind of cliched and all this stuff and I will say that, you know, I I love a good cheesy sci-fi storyline, and this game, for, you know, for whatever reason, the storyline really grabbed me, like, right away, and I, I really, I, it just, it just drew me in, and there's really nothing super unique about it, but maybe it's just because I haven't played, like, a good sci-fi, you know, game in quite a while, and, just something about, you know, going to going to a whole, you know, it's, it's likely cliched. Earth is doomed. We sent a ship full of people to another planet. Uh, shenanigans happen and then you're trying to, like, you're trying to make shit work. And just something about it, just I don't know, just, I, I just like it. And I know the voice acting isn't great. I'm playing as the male Um. Uh, what, what do they call him? Uh, I, Outrider. Because he was <laughs> he was part of... <laughs> excuse me. He was part of this group called the Outriders. And they're supposed to be like explorers, but also almost like police in a certain way. Like they're supposed to like uphold the law. And and I guess just make sure shit is safe. For the rest of the colonists, and um, an- another part of the story is that there's supposed to be a ship to go in front of them to get to the planet first, but that ship blew up in Earth's orbit, and so then there's just the main colony ship that got there, and the majority of the outriders were on the ship that blew up in Earth's or- Earth's orbit. So right away, there's not there's only a handful of outriders. Um. But gameplay, I want to say it's like if Destiny, The Division, and Mass Effect 3 multiplayer had a threesome, and somehow those three entities formed a baby, and that baby grew up to be Outriders. That's basically how I describe it. And... Uh, the gameplay is a little floaty. I don't like how the character just moves too fast. Like I know, for example, a lot of people complained that in Red Dead Redemption 2, Arthur Morgan's moves are too slow. It was like he's moving through molasses. Well, Outriders' movements are way too fast. It's like he doesn't have to get going before he starts
0: moving. I felt that too in the demo. Like I like I felt like Did you play any of The Division? Yeah. So the, I I like the way there that third person felt it felt kind of snappy and quick enough. This just felt like like I didn't have a lot of control. Like I felt like if I if I yeah put too much into my thumbstick, I was just gonna keep trucking. It's like oh slow down. Um
1: I I I'm playing the uh, I think it's called the Devastator I think class to where um my main power is like I can put like rock armor around me and it it. Cuts the damage I take for like eight seconds, and then you can, you know, you can upgrade that skill as you level up and stuff. And then there's some other powers I have, like, there's one to where I'll pound the ground, and it does like an earthquake in front of me. Another one is I can, um, I can shoot like a rock spike, or not, no, I can make it like a rock spike come up at an enemy's feet and it like impales them. Uh, if they're if they're low enough, a low le- enough level, if they're high, higher level. It just does damage to them. Um, then there's one called Bullet Reflection, to where I, it's almost like you use telekinesis and you like you're basically like you know Neo from Matrix, and you make all the bullets stop in front of you, and then you can shoot them back at the enemies. Um, I I don't use that one that often. Um, so I I'm enjoying the uh, the class abilities, and the enemies are they're not. They're not very varied. Um, the variety isn't that deep. It's just pretty much, you know, you have the uh, you have the the cannon fodder that comes in front of you, and they're just there to take damage. Then you have the stronger human enemies who, more often than not, they're wearing heavy armor, and they have they have a couple health bars you have to you know get through, and they're bullet sponges. And then you have a human enemies who have, they have powers, and not not these powers aren't as like good as what the outriders' powers are, because the outriders altered. I didn't mention that. There's some kind of.
0: they're called like the altered. Isn't yeah. there like a whole? Yeah, there's group, some. <coughs> excuse me. Of them.
1: There's some kind <coughs> of uh, force on this planet on this planet called Enoch, and this force they call the anomaly, and it basically makes these electrical storms, and it goes through and when a bolt of lightning from the storm touches a, a person, like 99% of the time, they, like, disintegrate. They die. Blend like, 1% of the time, the lightning won't kill you. It will, like, you know, fuck up your biology and give you powers. And so but you almost become like an X-Man, and you, uh, um, you know, you get you get powers dependent on what class you choose. And then some of these, some of the enemies you fight are also altered, and maybe not to the extent you are. Their powers aren't as grandiose. Um, and then there's some boss battles to where the enemies will have uh, these bosses will have you know much stronger powers, and they're much harder to take out. Uh, and then there's and then there's creatures, there's uh, indigenous creatures the planet Enoch that you fight, and they're they're mainly they mainly just run at you, and you just shoot them as they're coming up. And some of them have projectiles. Um, so they're kind of boring. They just they're just easy experience. That's what I've noticed so far. And I'm level fourteen. Level cap is thirty, and I read online that most people finish the storyline at around level twenty five. So I want to say I'm probably a little more than halfway through storyline. So okay. Um,
0: which, um, what was your? Did you say your world tier? I don't know. if i heard that.
1: Uh oh yeah. So I'm world tier seven. Um, nice and getting from six to seven took a long time um but i'm seven and i'm playing solo and i haven't died that many times mainly when i die it when i die it's it's against a boss because I, I have to figure out the strategy first and they kill me and then then i'll like well i have to go out like this instead um so i i don't i don't often die when i'm facing just normal enemies sometimes sometimes if i get surrounded you know, I'll die, but you know, mostly it's it's not that not that difficult. Um, and then each class has the ability to get health back if you kill enemies a certain way. Like the devastator is, if you kill enemies who are close enough to you, you get health back, and it kind of makes you want to have a play style of up, up up close and personal. But then there's, there's weapons you get which you have different skills. Like my sniper rifle, I have to where every every enemy I kill. Without changing weapons, I get 125 health back after I per enemy I kill after I reload my weapon. So if I get, say, two or three headshots and then I reload my weapon, I'll get, like, 375 health back, which is, like, 60% of my health, right? you know, right now. Um, and so that kind of opens up different strategies to where, you know, I can sit back and pop some headshots and take damage and um, it... it you know, just different strategies and stuff. So, uh, awesome. uh, don't really, you know. And, are
0: you, are, and you're playing this in Xbox Game Pass, correct?
1: Yes. Um, nice. I play this great in the Series X. Low times are super fast. I've heard that low times are super slow on Last Generation. Um, and then uh, just the, the weapons and the loot, um, it does the same. Weapon uh, rarity that a lot of other games do. Uh, white, green, blue, purple, orange. And I haven't gotten any orange weapons yet. I've got a couple of purples. And it's, you know, I, I like the gear. I it's I don't like it as much as Borderlands. Um, I like it more than Destiny and The Division though. So. But that's, that's pretty much all I got to say about Riders. And that's all I've really been playing this past week.
0: Nice. Andrew uh, since you decided not to join your brother I'm fighting some uh, crazy space wars
2: Uh, I'm still chugging away at Assassin's Creed I've kind of realized that this is just going to be my like go back and chip like five hours away at a time just like I'll pick it up and then put it down and come back to it like a month later Um, maybe eventually I'll beat it but it's just one of those easy things just to go in and and chip away at it. Um, it's, it's still really fun. Uh, there's still some story stuff. I'm like, what happened? Cause I, uh, how, I, how far did you get into, into
0: it, Alex? Oh God. I don't even remember. Well, there um... was a,
2: did you get to the point where Sigurd, your Jarl slash like stepbrother, oh. I guess. I don't know. Uh, he was captured by that one woman. Okay, so I eventually yep. rescued him, Yep. and they did, like, a, uh, a lot of places that you, you went to and did, like, the main missions for, every, like, area had, like, a person that you would recruit to your cause, and be like, they'd be like, you know, when your big battle happens, I'll be there, um, and so when I rescued Sigurd, it was like a, hey, here's, here's my camp, and here's seven people. Here's all the people I recruited. So I got to go talk oh, to them, yeah. and there's people I'd go talk to that I did like the be in beginning of the game. That'd be like, "Who are you? I don't fucking remember who you are." <laughs> 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 they in there like, "Oh, it's good to see you again, boy." And I'm like, "I, dude, I don't even know who you are." Like, <laughs> it, um, so that was, I mean that was funny, but yeah. So I rescued Sigurd, and now he's pretty much just like, "I'm a god." everything is below me so that's cool um so that's kind of where (laughs) i'm in the game and then i started playing uh i went back since the new uh ratchet and clank is coming out in a couple months i went back and started playing uh ratchet and clank into the nexus on ps3 because the new ratchet and clank is a direct sequel to that game which which i never played before um and this game came out two days before the PlayStation 4 launched back in 2013, which explains why I never played it. Cause at that time I was just like all about PS4. I just wanted one. Uh, so, so yeah, so I never picked it up and so far it's, it's not bad. Um, it's obviously older than the PS4 one. So it, the, some of the graphical uh, flourishes aren't there, uh, but other than that, it's still, it's, it's a fun game so far and there's been a couple, Chuckles with the writing and stuff, so it's going pretty good.
0: And what 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 was that into the Nexus? Clank. Yeah. Um, Nice.
2: So yeah, so that is what I have been playing. Nice,
0: nice.
1: Um, I I forgot to mention that I bought the current-gen port of Star Wars Republic Mando on PS4. And how much is that? It's fifteen dollars. Uh, ported by Aspire, which is also who ported the other older Star Wars games to newer uh, hardware. And I put played the first uh, couple levels, and I went into this going, I'm going to try and get a platinum in this game. And one of the trophies is beat the game at hard. So I started playing it hard, and in my first battle I'm like, nope, I'm lowering that that difficulty. Because man delay, when they say hard, it's like When you're facing normal battle droids, it's like, yeah, whatever. But when a super battle droid comes up, it's like one shot, your shields are gone, another shot, your your ass is down. It's uh, I'm like, no way, I'm gonna be able to grind through it like that. So I just put it on easy. So I'm just gonna play through and get as many trophies as I can.
0: Nice, nice. All right. Well, let's talk about some news. Uh, guess who's back. Back again. Guess who's back. I guess tell some of your friends. C3 is coming back. Yeah. Uh, do you Ooh, have this story? Well, Josh, I do not yay. have this story, but... Yay. Are you guys excited for... Yay. Are... Are you excited for Koch Media? Uh, I believe
2: it is pronounced Coke Media.
0: Oh, sorry. Are you Are you excited to see Coke Media? Whatever the fuck that I believe could Coke Media mean. is the
2: like the the full owner of uh an, an Embracer Group. I believe so. Which is the the former <laughs> oh uh, God. yeah.
0: I know it What's
2: there's always a level it's so kind of like it's always like, hey, we got a, a THQ Nordic. Well, actually, they're Embrace Group. Well, actually, they're actually coke Media. It's like it's keeps a new level. Like the, there's always the a bigger fish, are... apparently. Oh
0: God, what the fuck? Uh,
2: okay. Yeah, they announced an oh, all digital um, uh, E3, which will be June 12th through the 15th. Uh, I'm not sure what is June 12th.
1: So, uh, Andrew, I, I have an update. Uh, Coke Media is actually a wholly owned subsidiary of, of Embracer Group. So, Embracer Group actually owns oh, Coke Media. Sure.
2: Okay. What the hell? Um, so, so they fully embrace Coke Media. Um, and then, so,
1: I wish, yeah, I right? wish they would embrace Uh,
2: America. so June 12th is a Saturday. Um, which normally E3 dates are always oh, starting on a Monday. And then the weekend is like technically not part of E3, um, but they're including that. So I assume that's when the quote unquote press conferences, which is surprises me to see like Nintendo with this in um, Activision and Microsoft. Cause it's like, okay, what did E3 pitch them? It's also possible that maybe, maybe industry as a whole, or just like, you know what? It's just best for the industry if we have this event. So we'll play along.
1: Um. Um, Well, it it makes me think like the video game industry, we do need the ESA because the ESA is our, is our lobbying group to the, to the U S government. You know, they, they bring what they think is best for the game industry to the government to try and influence what kind of, uh, what legislation is put forth either to the House or the, the Senate or what have you, and you know we, we need that group to try and uh, you know have gamers' interests, which doesn't always happen, but you know nothing's perfect, and without E3, the ESA might not exist, and I think True. I don't know, I I feel like I feel like it's probably best if we if you know, if these uh, you know gaming, if these gaming groups, the publishers and developers and um, you know uh, IP holders and you know like Xbox and Nintendo, I think it's best if they get together and and make this happen. And and yeah, you can you can say that you know why why wouldn't Nintendo and and Microsoft and Konami well I don't know about Konami but Warner Bros. and Take two. Why wouldn't they just go off and do shit on their own? And sure, they could do that, but also there's a saying United we stand to, uh, United we stand fall. Uh, Uh,
2: but so, yeah, I mean, I guess, uh, (laughs) something like that, yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember another reference from Lost and I can't remember what Jack said in in the first season, anyway. Uh, um, no, you gotta, that's you have to go uh, later on. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, like I just don't see what Nintendo and Microsoft, like Nintendo specifically, they haven't been part of E3 press conference wise in years. So they they've had like a place on the, the floor where people could play demos and stuff, but their Nintendo Direct has not been part of E3 for years. So I don't understand really what Nintendo's gonna have a part with this. And Microsoft split off from E3 and they've been doing their own press conference in their own theater they own that and they haven't been part of E3 press conference wise so I'm not sure what really I fully expect that they're not going to have press conferences with E3 they might just have like they might give E3 like uh a one exclusive trailer or something and that's it I'd, I I don't expect full press conference
1: I mean they they might because you know E3 said that it they're only yeah. confirming appearances they're not confirming like press conferences from Nintendo yeah. Xbox what have you so I think if if Microsoft has games that E3 shows off in their in their live streams I mean that that means that they're included yeah
2: I mean it's it's still cool uh, that they're coming back um, I'm really hoping that. I don't have to work that weekend because that would blow. Oh god, that's my fucking weekend at work. God damn it. Gaming sucks, guys. Why are we doing this? <laughs>
0: uh I mean, oh, I'd, Did I'd, you hear that? Oh man, I hear you getting sick.
1: I'd, I I might not even be home. I oh, there's yeah. a good chance yeah, I'll be out of state that weekend. Um, so Uh,
2: that's yeah. not like I can't watch YouTube at work anyway. Um, so uh <laughs> yeah, I don't really have much else to say about this. Like, we don't really know much else about it, what what's going to be.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Got I know Phil Spencer said looks... that
2: he's excited to share what they have this summer. He didn't specifically say E3, but we'll
0: see. Yep. Um. Do you... uh? Do you uh? Do you want to? Sure, I'll boot up on my PS4
2: right now. Yeah.
0: Oh well, really, because you could probably play it on like a, like a, a backward on a PS5. Oh no, 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 no! Uh, how, how would you um, like a remake?
2: Oh. Um. No, I'm okay. I'm good. Thank you. Thank you though.
0: <laughs> huh. You know who isn't good? Sony. Sony's not good because they. Somebody. Where do we start with this story?
1: So here's 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 what I think. I think that with the future HBO uh, Last of Us TV show,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: that they want to try and create a Last of Us media verse and that they they may want to remake the first game using story elements and likenesses from the TV show.
0: That's what I was thinking, too. To be honest, like, that was my first thought. I was like, oh, wow. So they're just going to remake this game to whatever kind of storyline they have going on in that TV show. Because that TV show is supposed to release in 2022, 2023.
1: And if, so, if this has been in, in development long enough, they could theoretically get it out by by then. Who knows?
2: Maybe.
0: Yeah. That's, a, I mean, that's a couple years away. You could you could do that, but it depends on what what the remake is. If I mean, it would, it would have to
2: be. Yeah. Like Who knows? If they want to.
0: Well, there might be there might be certain things that Naughty Dog is is telling the directors like, hey, you cannot. Change this, 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 and this, and maybe that's not Sure, bro.
2: I I mean, it seems like they're going to fully remake in the new engine that they're using for Last of Us 2.
0: True. That's true. Okay, so we know that's true. We know that's happening.
2: Well, we know that's not happening.
0: (laughs) But, like, so so the whole so I guess the whole story is they they, they try to they try to pitch the sequel as a co yeah. multiplayer experience.
1: Um so uh, Alex, I don't know if Andrew can yeah, hear you're getting me, a little me breaking
0: up a little
2: bit. Oh,
0: okay. Can you hear me? Oh okay, hold on. Uh, uh, am I better now?
2: Yeah, I think you're good. Uh I think so. Yeah, you're good now.
0: How about now? Okay, cool. I think I just walked too far away from my phone. Um, okay, where was I? Oh yeah. So, how much faith does Sony have in Sony Bend and the uh, Let's just say <laughs> Days Gone that... game? If 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 the if the first thing if the first thing they did wasn't to no why don't you guys make this game instead? Yeah. Just like, let's
2: just say they weren't ah, taking no, a let them bend not break philosophy. If you know what I mean.
0: I do.
1: I, I do. I do. I expect it I better. That's okay. Um, you know, in one of the things I read it said that um they wanted to include co op in the first game and they had to cut it just because the scope of the first game was too big. And you know, when they pitched when the pitches Sony, obviously Sony, you know I mean they weren't they weren't buying what they were selling. They didn't think that a co op uh centric or multiplayer-centric Days Gone game would be would be successful. And honestly, I I can't fault Sony for that. Like I no, no absolutely, it, absolutely not. Like to me, I think they should have taken the first game, and and expanded upon it, and pitched that. And mm-hmm. I don't know, like it's. I just don't think a multiplayer-centric Days Gone game, Days Gone game would have <laughs> no. been very successful. Because, I mean, you got, I, I know they're a little bit different, but you got a State of Decay Games over at Microsoft, which would might, might have ended up looking very similar in the end of the day. Who knows? Well, I, but, so, I, mean, it, I, it, I have another oh, insight
2: with this. There's a lot of fans that after hearing this have been in denial because this was a report that came out from Jason Schreier and even though I think Jason Schreier is an asshole sometimes, he is still one of the best gaming journalists out there. And normally when he puts out a story, he, does, he doesn't he does make shit up. And he doesn't just take stuff like a, a word from one person. He gets multiple sources and he knows what he's talking about. Um, so there's been a lot of fans that were just like, you know, this isn't true. You know, I don't believe this for a second. This is just rumor and speculation. So there was uh, a guy that worked on... Uh, the first day's gone. Um, he was I don't know what he I don't know specifically what he did on the game, but his name was Jeff Ross, and he was higher up with with ben at the time when the game came out. Now he just had an AMA, or he was on a podcast uh, a couple days ago with David Jaffe, um, who also used to or it does he he was the guy that worked on uh Twist Metal back in the day. I don't know if he still with Sony or not.
1: Twist Metal. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't think he is. Yeah, he also did stuff with God.
2: So, uh, he had a podcast with him where he answered a bunch of questions that people sent in. One question was about, like, was Days Gone 2 being made? Um, and so his answer was pretty much like, when I left, Days Gone 2 was being made. And so that kind of goes, it kind of was a little bit opposite of what Jason Schreier said to where Jason Schreier was like, well, it got pitched, but it wasn't being made. Um, But some someone called Jason out on this and was like, "We might not get a day's gone to ever, but with all due respect, I'm still gonna take the words of the director of the game who has worked in Ben Studio over your anonymous sources." In quotes. Um, and Jason Schreier said, "Good, here you go. Here's words from Jeff Ross." So after the podcast, uh, he Jeff Ross went on Twitter and answered a question about Jason Schreier's article, saying. Thanks to everyone who attended the podcast with Jeffy. I wish I could have been more forthright with some questions. Just remember that Jason Schreier is a journalist who takes his craft very seriously, and he has the luxury of being able to be more honest than I am allowed to be. Meaning as the Jeff Ross, I assume has signed NDAs, meaning there's stuff he can't talk about. So everything Schreier said is true. And just Jeff Ross pretty pretty much just confirmed it. So, um, the game was pitching and it's not being made.
0: Hmm. Well, that sucks. It would have been cool to see yeah. just another attempt at a new IP, but uh, Days Gone 1 is fun. You guys should check it out. Um,
1: well, I mean, so by all accounts, uh, Sony Ben is now working on a new IP because the report said that they originally put on the Last of Us remake And then people at Sony and Ben were like, well, we don't want to do that. And so so, after a while, Sony was like, all right, well, you guys go make something you guys want to make, but you're not Um, making days gone too.
2: And apparently Ben was, there's an update on the IDN article here. It says, Eurogamer reports that sources claim a Sony-Ben developed Uncharted game was planned to be a new chapter for the series, possibly a prequel and was intended as something of a reboot for the series. It's unclear if those plans have persisted with Bend off of the project. Um, So Bend is no longer making the Uncharted game, but that Uncharted game may have moved to Sony San Diego's new uh, yeah.
0: Unnamed studio?
2: So, I don't know. We will see. Um, also, there is uh, Pedro Pascal Is at, I guess, the BAFTAs last week or something. It's some reward show. Uh, and he is looking very Joel-like right now. So.
0: Hmm.
2: Next story. Uh, guys, I'm ready okay. to play ball on April 20th on Xbox. I'm like, dude, I'm legit uh, excited are, about huh? playing MLB The Show 21. Yeah. I'm
0: pretty stoked, for... i been... yes. oh, It's awesome. I'm excited,
2: like... I'm excited because
0: I yeah, can get it and not
1: give Sony $70 worth.
0: I have to give Sony $70 worth unless somebody wants to trade me. Actually, if anyone, for the three people who listen to this, uh, I'll trade my PS5 for your Xbox. Yeah. By the way, I don't know <laughs> if that's a
2: joke. What you just said, there might legit only be three people listening to this. <laughs> um,
0: I, they're so uh, uh, that's perfectly fine. So them. let's
2: see. Yeah, it was MLB that said that. Um, no, it was Sony that was asked about uh, the game coming to Game Pass, and Sony's pretty much like, "Yo, that was a deal done by Major League Baseball. That's not that was not our deal. Uh, so go talk to them." Um, so clearly this is just a play to get more fans of the series, which is absolutely fine. Cause the last one I played, I think was MLB to show 19 and it was good. Um, but I was like, I'm, I regret paying $60 for this. Uh, so now that I get to play it for free and we don't even know how long it's going to be on game pass. It might only be on game pass for a month. We don't know, uh, but I'm going to get my time with it. And right. if it goes away, I'll stop playing it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, what's interesting is we conjectured that Sony might – or Microsoft uh, might uh, put all the Bethesda games on Game Pass, obviously, but they might still put them on Sony and use the excuse of, hey, guys, you can come over here and pay $15 and get all the games or <coughs> buy them for 70 bucks a piece on PlayStation. Now, they didn't end up doing that, even though that might have been a good ploy. But Microsoft is doing that with Sony's own game. <laughs> they took Sony's own ammo, took it away from them, put it in their own gun and pointed it at Sony and fired <laughs> like their own game. Is there like, Hey, you can get it free on Xbox or go to Sony and pay $70 for this. It's, it's crazy. It, this.
0: I'll tell you what, I uh, kind of regret sometimes get with PS5. I won't lie to you. I won't. Because, like, oh, I could play a pretty decent yeah. B game in Outriders and MLB The sure, Show. Sure, and, and, yes, and, and look Day at one? it this way. Oh, the two biggest games
2: coming out for most of April. Obviously, there's Returnal on April 30th. at the very end of the month. So the two biggest games this month are Outriders and MLB The Show. You can get those for free. Pretty much free on Xbox. So where if 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 people who have PlayStations are like jumping ship, or if they have both and they're just playing them on Game Pass, where's Sony getting the money?
0: I don't know. I, I microtransactions throughout. Yeah, is there is that Diamond Dynasty or something like that. So from there, that's one and, way to get more money. Uh,
1: and then, obviously, you know, let's let's not let's not discount that Sony got money for it being on Game Pass. Yeah. We don't know how oh, much, for sure. for sure. But they they didn't come out of this sure with with um, no money in their hands.
2: But clearly, I think they would have gotten more money if it was, uh, if everyone just had to buy an Xbox.
1: And you know, for me, my thing is like this actually could end up working in Sony's favor because. If this game is on Game Pass this year, and then MLB The Show 22, let's say for hypothetically is not on Game Pass, it it, you know if you give people you know uh, not to use drugs as an analogy, but if you give someone a drug for free and get them addicted, and then and then not give it to them for free, yeah, odds are they're gonna want to pay for it. So maybe next year, Sony would end actually end up making more money in game sales if the game isn't on Game
0: Pass. You know, you know what's going to be even funnier is when August rolls around and Madden twenty two is on Game Pass.
2: I mean, it it uh, it wouldn't be though not right now be because uh, with EA Play. With, yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh no, no, that's right, that's right. It's you're right. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. EA, EA but,
2: the, uh, but but
0: the, it's EA it's on it's only on PC. Kinda like
2: that. Yeah. Um and yeah, and, uh, yeah.
1: But they 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 have their they have their vault, but games normally like I don't know like eight yeah. to, eight to twelve months after it comes so out. Usually oh. Madden is about six oh, months after
2: release okay. it goes into the vault. The is about six um. Uh. But yeah. So. I'm I'm ready to play as the Cubs and actually win some games and not lose to the Pirates. Like that's all they've been fucking doing.
0: Oh, that'd be great, wouldn't it? Oh uh, wow, on, they're sure winning right now. I think won nothing. So.
1: You're gonna, Andrew. You're gonna yeah, play probably. Pittsburgh first. Time uh, computer's gonna be So you. I
2: have a the, the last story. <laughs> I actually know There's one more quick one that's just kind of a funny thing. Um, we're all Time Splitters fans. You remember this, right? Yeah, hell yeah.
0: You so damn right. We're Time Splitters fans. let
2: we'll it. Yeah, back when uh love, Homefront: The Splitting Revolution Dimes. came out back Absolutely. in 20. 15, 2016, something like when, that. A bunch of developers of that game were former uh, free radical employees that worked on time splitters. Now one of the guys actually hid a full 4k port of time splitters 2 in the game. But the only way to the only way to access it was through really? with an unlock code that you had to put in. There's hackers have not been able to get to it. The only you had to put in this code. This guy lost the code. He does not remember where it was, what it is. Oh it was in a notebook God. and the notebooks of they were they were discarded back when the studio was was closed or whatever. So <sighs> he's basically like, guys, there is a full 4K port of Times Flores 2 in Homefront Revolution, but there is no way to access it. Hopefully someone finds a way. Where oh there's a will, there's a way. Um, and then the last story here is uh, just an interesting uh, AMA that a former Sony employee did. Now this is a uh, covers a range of topics, including like uh, the PlayStation stores closing for Vita and PS3, PSP, uh, to why the Vita failed, um, going into specifics. Now uh, this guy is a confirmed former employee at Sony. Uh, that uh, for a time worked in Sony's beta division. Um, and he was basically just taking questions, and if he was able to answer them, he would answer them. Uh, and so I'll just throw some of these questions that people asked and give you the answers and see what you guys think. Um, so, <laughs> first question here. Why is it that Sony dropped first-party support? There were so many games on PS3 slash 4 that could have gotten decent points that, ports that would have really rocked. But the number of games that really showed uh, what it's capable of is quite small. Uh, answer from the dude who only goes by a former Sony dude. Uh, he says... The return on investment just wasn't there. Market penetration was weak. While they made an earnest effort to make games in the beginning, when those numbers didn't improve, they stopped investing. The PS3 outsold the Vita about 4 to 1, and the PS4 outsold the Vita 5 to 1. As a Vita fan, it sucks, but Sony as a business was targeting areas where sales potential was higher and mostly left the Vita to third-party partners. They still made money on every sale, so they are largely happy with accepting it as passive income for most of the Vita's life cycle.
1: Um dots I mean it's what you know what I would have expected. Um the the install base for La Vita was never there and if the install base isn't there then people aren't gonna buy the games. Like one person is gonna go out go out and buy ten copies of sure. you know Kills All Mercenary. You know, and so it's just, it just wasn't there, unfortunately. It's uh, not enough people. It's it's the catch 22. Sony didn't yep. market it well, and because they didn't market it well, people didn't buy it. So he also confirms it, so he how many units of Vita it. sold,
2: uh, which he says that he left Sony a couple years ago. So Sony had already sunset the Vita by then, like they weren't producing new ones. So he says uh, Vita sold 17 million. Uh, As of when I left, Um, I think we have a skewed perception because the Vita sold most of its units in Japan. And that's uh, because someone said that I thought the PS4 would have sold like 50 to one or something. Um, So 17 million is around right around that uh, mark that a lot of people in the industry thought. Um, Next question. The Vita firmware has been compromised now for almost five years. Is Sony planning to target users of modified firmwares and ban them? Are they even capable of detecting modified firmwares or unusual activity? Uh, Answer, they have good telemetry, specifically when you are playing a game that you don't have a license for. They also have telemetry to see the names of apps you are running. In other words, yes, they know exactly who you people are. Whether they'll do anything is another question altogether. If they ban your account, you can create a new one. If they ban your console, you can just get a new one. They think of it like an endless game of whack-a-mole, and it's just not a wide use of their resources. Never say never, though. Um, Yes, so anyone that has has a hacked Vita, they know you have it hacked. But, do they fucking care? It doesn't seem like it. Uh, Next question. What
1: I think, I, I think it's a VDA. Yeah, I think it's a VDA uh, had been question. much more successful. What was the reasoning
2: there. behind having no user accessible storage <coughs> in the original models and only one gig in later models? Why did they continue using proprietary memory cards after it became obvious how much of an obstacle that was for potential buyers? Answer. The one gig decision was largely because of patches. The ability to download indie games and stuff was just a nice bonus. Proprietary memory cards were to deter hacks. It's hard to express just how much of a cultural impact the 2011 hack had on Sony's culture. Um,
1: Which, uh, Which, you know, Colin Moore already pointed out in his podcast that by the twenty-seven, by the twenty eleven hack, the Vita had already been set in stone in how it was gonna be made, and so he he speculated that is because how easily yeah. the PST was broken open, which is why they decided uh, to go proprietary memory cards. What
2: do you personally find to be the biggest failings of how Sony treated the Vita? What do you think they did well? Answer: I think they created a damn fine handheld, but they. They weirdly gimped some of its capabilities. At the console's launch, they only made some of its memory accessible and didn't, and didn't open it up to devs until later in the lifecycle. They, uh, they made memory cards proprietary out of hack fears. They never used the accessory port that was on the OG Vita. Uh, I feel like they had a lack of vision for what the Vita could have been because they were laser-focused on the disappointing sales numbers. By all means, it could have been a switch five years, five to six years ahead of its lifetime, but they decide to more or less uh, fail instead of double down. Um, Not surprising.
1: So, Alex, on the OG, have you ever had a Vita? Uh,
0: Very briefly.
1: So, did you have the OG model?
0: I don't remember. I had the one that had the Borderlands 2 packing.
1: So... Um, I don't know if you remember, but the Vita you had, did it have a port on top of it that when you looked at it, you said, what the fuck is that used for?
0: Maybe? I don't remember. So
1: Sony was originally developing a, an HDMI, uh, basically, connect, you know, connector. It would be a cord that you would have bought. That you could have connected your Vita to your TV. And so then you could have just, you could use your Vita as a controller and then play it on your TV.
0: Oh, that's awesome
1: um but they for whatever reason yeah
0: well I will
1: answer that question
2: they didn't do it Uh, next question do you know if there are any plans for a Vita 2 or something like that to compete with the Switch answer as far as I know no R&D was primarily working on PS5 and PSVR 2 toward the end of my tenure and they have only so many people to do so many things um and yeah I don't think they're gonna do another handheld either uh So in terms of the store shutting down uh, question is, has Sony been planning to shut down for a while or did they decide to recently pull the plug? Developers were left in the dark. It seems very sudden. So any insight would be interesting answer. It's been a while in the making, but when I left, there still wasn't a concrete date. As soon as firmware was broken in 2016 or 2017, it was on a chopping block after the nightmare. That was the 2011 hack. Sony's terrified of the word hack or any potential network intrusions. Uh, I'm not surprised people weren't informed. Sony is composed of these weird silos that people just don't communicate outside of. The right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing, as the expression goes. Um, so I think that kind of confirms, like I've always uh, kind of thought that like it was weird how Sony would say stuff and then other people within Sony would be like, I didn't fucking know about that. Um, So uh, just a couple more questions here. Here's an interesting one. Uh, Can you shed light on their culture of IP abandonment? Sony has a wealth of dead franchises and legacy content that they seemingly do not care to bring forward. Was backwards compatibility as little used as Jim Ryan claimed? Who made the voice for the proprietary memory cards on the Vita? Was the unused top port on the Vita going to be used for HDMI, HDMI out? Uh, answer certain ip has more value in the cultural sense than it does in the market sense i know it's not sony but look at metroid for a comparison that franchise that franchise is critical to the history of games but it's only sold about 20 million copies throughout its whole life the most recent animal crossing out outsold the entire metroid franchise uh sony is a business and they care first and foremost about where the money is not where the sentiment is Uh, Backwards compatibility is one of the most requested features and least used features. I don't know what Jim specifically said about how little it was used, but that is true by the numbers that we had. Uh, And then the proprietary memory card was a hack deterrent. Um, I don't know the name of the specific person who made the decision, but that was the rationale. And then HDMI out was one of the prototypes for the accessory port, but there was some software issue they needed to work out still. I don't know the full details on what the software issue was, but needless to say, it never made it to the top of their priority list. Um, And then just a couple more. Um, Was Sony ever in salvage mode for Vita? Like, oh crap, we made bad decisions. Let's try to turn this around. Or... Uh... Or did they not even try? Um, Answer, the Vita Slim and Vita TV were attempts at that, but they were very half-hearted in my opinion. Um, I kind of agree with that. Uh, And then this is something I didn't know about. Maybe you knew about this, Josh. Uh, Why did Sony take the ability to discount games away from the devs? Uh, specifically for the uh, PlayStation Vita store. I mean, I might understand why they are closing the store, but still, they stopped doing sales around a year or so ago. It makes no sense to me. Even Microsoft still discounts 360 games. They're not backwards compatible. Answer. Sony decided to kill the Vita years ago. Uh, while I don't know the rationale for this specific decision, I imagine that's just part of the plan, and it's to get developers off of the system. Um so even if you want, even if a developer like say Ubisoft was like, I want to discount the Assassin's Creed Liberation Vita, they are no longer allowed to do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't know that. I mean, it's it's kind of shitty. It makes me makes me think they probably did the same thing uh, the PS
2: Five. Yeah, that makes me think there will definitely not be a end of life Vita sale. Um, I don't know about PS Three, but. Uh, that would actually, when you say PS5, you, you mean PS3, Josh? Yeah. So, cause there hasn't been a sale on PS3 in question.
1: I'm on PS3. I am ps 3 i do not uh, know. I said yeah. PS5. Um, yeah.
2: Do you have any insight on what's going on with Sony essentially throwing all of Japan under the bus more recently? Has the U S branch taken over the company entirely somehow? And if so, why and how did the, the Japan allow that? Um, uh, pretty much in short, yes. Sony is, be, uh, becoming more American and it's being allowed to happen because America is not a premier video game market. Um, let's see. Uh, this guy basically asked, like, uh, he understands why Sony wanted to do proprietary because of hacks, but why did they make them so expensive? Um, this guy he pretty much said that because they're doing proprietary uh the parts for these memory cards are really expensive and they were not willing to take a loss on them even to sell more um so
1: um well i mean with with businesses you know if you're taking a loss on something the more you sell the more money you're going to lose and it's uh, you, you uh, know, how did Did, Jim Ryan view Vita? did he make the
2: important decisions or were there others making decisions on his behalf uh, I never interacted with Jim he has he was many pre grades above me the impression I got was that he was a businessman first and foremost though I don't know if he ever made any decisions along the lines of kill Davida but some of the strategy and direction that he set forth probably influenced others with more purview over Davida the there was already a direction that kill Davida in place so his direction may have been uh may have accelerated the, the trajectory at worst. Um, uh, and then this, this will be the last one. Um, why do you think Sony is shutting down a store so abruptly? Surely the passive income from game sales must be better than whatever it costs to keep the lights on. So to speak, I get that the Vita largely failed, but I don't understand the harm of leading the store and other basic servers online. Uh, no idea why they give it such a short runway, but I do think it's part of the planned death of the Vita I've described elsewhere in this thread. The income, the income question is a bit more detailed, so apologies for the long response. First and foremost, you have to understand that any game, any game sales, the majority of its uh, copies at its launch. Uh, there are exceptions to this trend, i.e. Final Fantasy 14 or No Man's Sky. Uh, but it holds true 99% of the time. Second, around the time I was leaving, some Vita games were selling under 1,000 copies in their launch week. It's hard to point a finger at any one of any, at any one cause for this, but we theorized it was the result of the, qual- of the quality of the games, the user base, and the hack scene. Um, third, there's more to running a digital storefront than just keeping servers online. Payment systems require a lot of technical maintenance and Uh, deprecated systems provide easy attack vectors for sensitive information, and there's a ton of work involved in making sure everyone gets their money when sales are processed. I can't say for sure whether the cost and profit line's ever fully crossed, but I can say that in conjunction with the other reasons I've outlined, Sony is pretty much uh, ready to be done with Vita. Um, So, yeah, that's pretty much why they're closing it. um yeah I mean, oh uh last one um any sorry i forgot this one this one is imp- me. important uh do you think it's very likely that they could keep download servers up for a very long time uh for example 10 plus years down the road uh i had assumed one of the big issues with the stores was there's a lot of legal issues around the payment system and killing that off closes the, the hole on a lot of legal and confidentiality confidentiality and information purposes um He says, I think that depends more on what legislation exists to prevent them from doing it than anything else, honestly. And I'm not a lawyer, so I can't speak a lot of expertise on that front. Um, It depends on what they're legally obligated to do more than anything. Bandwidth and and storage isn't expensive, but they're ready to wash their hands with all these stores. Um, So I think that if it was up to Sony... By his answer, it seems like they would cut the ability for you to download these games, but maybe legislation is stopping them from doing that.
1: I mean, we we saw that it wasn't illegal yes, for Nintendo to take from your uh, ability from to download. Video I watched away. from uh, a
2: so. guy that specializes that lawyer dude that Colin is right on his podcast. Uh, it seems like Sony had specific stuff in their uh, terms and conditions and EULAs that kind of prevent them from taking the downloads away, and Nintendo might not have had that. So.
1: Yeah. Might not have that. Yeah. So that's pretty much
2: it. I think there was some interesting information in there. Um, yeah. So that's that's pretty much it.
0: All right. Okay, so Josh, you are the resident. Let's say modern here. You're real big into you know, retro gaming. It seems like, but why? Yeah. Why? 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 Something so. Why does something so old games on Atari and Turbo Graphics and Sega CD, Sega Master System. Why is this stuff interesting to you? Well,
1: I think it's because I find I find history fascinating, and one of the, one of the things in life I'm I'm most passionate about is video games, and I find the history of video games fascinating, and, I, and I'm I'm passionate about it, <clears throat> and.
0: Looking, he's getting choked up talking about it.
1: The uh, the best way to understand where we are now is to understand where we came from. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. is to understand how we got here. And you know, it's it's so fun, in my opinion, to look at the evolution of video games from wow. the early seventies with the Magnavox Odyssey, which is some Wait, people consider Magnavox,
0: like yeah. the old television makers.
1: Yeah, they huh? had they had a console. It's called the Man, the Magnavox Odyssey, okay. and they came out in the they came out in the early seventies. Um, I'm not what, really sorry? sure what year. Um, Andrew, you, think you can give me a fact check on that. Um, Magnavox Odyssey. Uh, I want to say like seventy three. Um, um, but I I could be off on that. But September to see the evolution 72. from that, and then you know you go to Atari. Yeah. It, Oh, so I was okay, um, and a lot of people consider that like the first like home video game console. And there was there was stuff before that, like mainly pong machines and stuff. But and the Man- uh, uh- Man- uh, there was
0: like Galaga machines, things in the arcades before they ever yeah. came to. Yeah. Uh, um, but
1: the uh- uh, the Magna-Vox Odyssey is like uh, you play games using cards on that if I if I remember, and. It was kind of like the first thing to where you could, the first console where you could take home and actually change the game you are playing on the TV. And it just, it just revolutionized gaming. But, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not here to give everyone a history lesson. But it's just it's fascinating to see the evolution from that, and then do Atari, and then get into the 80s when you have Atari, and then you have um, uh, Intellivision and ColecoVision and nintendo and uh sega comes in in the 80s
0: and <clears throat> that race in the and 90s then, between nintendo and sega
1: and then and then you know in the 90s and between sega and nintendo and then sega i mean uh nintendo and sony almost teamed up and then his, you know historically uh nintendo and Philips, and sony decided to do their own thing and they became very successful And then all up to the demise of Sega in the console space, and then and then Microsoft coming in and pretty much by all intents and purposes picking up where Sega left off. Pretty much, and um, because if if Microsoft never went in the console space, I think Sega, if they would have kept at it, I think Sega would have a machine very similar to the Xbox today. Yeah. Um, and I, I just, I just think it's, uh, I just think it's really fun to see the evolution. And then, you know, I think it's, I think it's great to know who made games, you know, and not just publishers. I mean, not just like the big console manufacturers, but the publishers and developers, and and then to even know like some of the some of the names behind some of the people, like, you know, Tom Kalinske with Sega and, um. Let's see. Uh, what was the the Atari guy? Um,
0: oh God! Um,
1: uh, without having names in front of me, I'm trying to remember. Um,
0: there's a there's a lot of um, there's a handful of documentaries on gaming history I mean, that I think people should I, watch because they really really good.
1: I think Nintendo is, you know, they, they have a very rich history and
0: dating back I mean, to the 1800s. Is,
1: yeah, to me it's just it's just fun to see an old video game console, and something uh, like Josh, for example, the name you're looking for is no I have I now. have an Atari 2600, and this uh, no
0: there yeah. we go no one push, no.
1: Thank you. Um, you're uh, you know I, I have an Atari 2600, and this is something that's more you know, it's, it's a piece of electronics that's more than forty years old. That's crazy. You know this. This came this this came out back when the original Star Wars trilogy was you know was super big you know super huge and it, it works I can plug it into my TV with an adapter because technology has has advanced to where you, you can't use the original uh, connect connections but I can take this piece of electronics this electronic device from that long ago plugged into my tv and it works and it's 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 crazy and there's so many moving parts in newer viewing systems that i don't know if i can take a if i'll be able to take a ps1 and in 2034 40 years after it came out if it'll work i don't know because of the disk drive and all that stuff Mm -hmm. But I think in, I think by 2034, if I have an Atari 2600 that's been taken well care of, I think it'll still work.
0: You think and so? I think
1: it's I think it's just I think it's just amazing, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, you know, I just I, I I love old games as well. Not necessarily playing them as much because there just some old games that are definitely fun to play. And there's also plenty of old games that are not fun to play that have not held up at all. Um, I, I can plug in Pac-Man on the Atari 2600 or I would rather play it on the 7800 because it's more uh, it's more closer to what you got in the arcades. And I I can sit there and just play that and it's fun to play. Um, you know, same thing with other old games. And... Older games on, from, like, the Super Nintendo, there's plenty of older games where I could sit there for a couple hours and play a Super Nintendo game. And, you know, I mean, I, I haven't even de- talked about the, uh, the economy of retro gaming. Because <clears throat> the economy is always fluctuating. It's always changing. And due to COVID, the economy you know demand has skyrocketed and in su- and supply has plummeted and because of that it is a sellers market and if you want retro games you better be prepared to shell out money for it um and it's 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 not going to change anytime soon um some of the things i have definitely gone way up in price is uh uh you know older cartridges especially nintendo 64 Um, And also, like, original PlayStation games have gone way up. And eventually, I think that we'll see the increase in price of Xbox and PS2. And certainly, we've already already seen the GameCube. GameCube prices are through the roof. They're skyrocketing. Um, And I think that's where mining comes in. Because if I was... This is just coming from me. If I was a developer, if I made a game, when I put out the game at the time, I would be upset if someone pirated it and bought it. I mean, if someone pirated it and played it for free. I, sure, I would absolutely be upset. But years down the road, decades down the road, if I found out someone had to had to pirate my game because they couldn't afford to pay $150 for it from a, from a secondhand store that would give me no money for it, I wouldn't be upset from that. Do you do you think you guys think you guys would be upset about that?
0: Nope. My biggest problem is uh, gaming history is sometimes isn't preserved well enough. And, yeah, if to, and if you have to preserve it via emulators or you know romped up things that you have and, to hack, then that's what we have to do. Yeah. And that's fine. And, I agree. Yeah.
1: The biggest thing is with games is that they're meant to be played. Mm-hmm. You know? And to me, there's nothing wrong. Like, if you have a copy of, I don't know, say, like, Friend Sixty Four, for example, I have a copy of Mega Man Legends. You know, it's, it's a, it's, it's a kind of a valuable cartridge. And I don't if you find the cartridge, you could, depending on the condition, you might pay sixty to eighty bucks for it, uh, maybe even more. And I don't see anything wrong with me having that cartridge, throwing it on a shelf to display it, and then playing it emulated. Because I don't want to, because I don't want to plug the cartridge in and, and possibly damage it in some way, shape, or form. Uh-huh. Uh, and that's that's another thing with older video game systems that have disc drives. Like I've modded my PlayStation Two to play games off a hard drive because I want to I want to preserve the hardware. I don't want to keep putting discs into it and run down the disc drive because over over time that disc drive will get bad and it won't read discs anymore. That's that's just a fact. And you'd have to you'd have to either replace it or just not play games unless you had unless, unless you had it modified. <clears throat> so I for me I I will always be on the side of if it's if it's old enough to where you can't give the publisher, developer, what have you money, then I think that you're uh, I don't I, I don't think it's morally bad for you to get the game somehow and play it.
0: You
1: know, you're just you're experiencing history. You're experiencing something that someone made and you know you can't give them the money for it. So why not just it's like it's like watching a movie, you know. It's uh you know, it's, if someone gave you If someone gave you a bunch of old movies, you know you're not, you know, if someone gave me in the uh, like a old ass VHS of Star Wars, I you know I watch it. I'm not giving Lucasfilm any money for it, you know. Uh So, um, well, I really went on a tangent. Um, (laughs) I I just you know I I I love history. I love um uh, video games. I love how different strategies, different styles um console manufacturers had. You know, Atari had such a distinct style from Intellivision compared to ClicoVision compared to Nintendo. It's just they all had their different way, strategy of doing things. And I you know, I had there's not a single uh viewing system which I have I think I'm up to like 32 unique video game systems now. That's awesome, and, and including handhelds. And there's not a single video game system that I look at and I go, "Man, that is that is ugly. I, I wish I didn't have that." I think they're all unique and awesome in their in their own way. Um, and I mean, you know, for me, I'm I'm not super big on game collecting. I I, I just want the console that I can display. Because, um, you know, the games the games are fun. Um, and I, you know, if, if I was, if I went out and won the Mega Millions and I suddenly had, like, say, $150, $200 million in my name, I might buy a house and have a big room and say, I want to collect every video game I ever made. You know?
0: Mm-hmm. That'd be fucking uh, something. Which,
1: I, uh, or or just say I want to collect every North American release ever ever put out because including Japanese and European and other territories would be a fucking mindfuck. It would be crazy. But just to say I want every North American game ever released. That'd be fucking cool to have a room filled with that.
0: Hell yeah, it would be. <clears throat>
2: uh,
0: Andrew, how many, um, co- how many I'm going to write around that like real quick.
2: 37 mark i think is the last count i had um 37
0: 38
1: 36 right around there Ooh. okay okay um and then you know work quick, my last thing is that as a collector there's nothing more fun than going into a used game store or garage sailing or what have you, and going in and finding well, let, something let me, that you don't Let have. me
2: add something to that, and, Josh, because um, I, I agree I admit, to an extent to what I, you just said. I would say there's nothing more fun than going into the game store and seeing something you don't have that you get a good deal on. Seeing something I don't have that's outrageously priced, I go, I'm not happy I saw that. <laughs> like,
1: Yeah. Well, so am I. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm talking I mean, more like... like it, normally if i see stuff
2: noise. or if um, i even see stuff that i have but like yeah. be a different variants or whatever but it's still like uh outrageously priced i'm just like that's ridiculous like it's some stuff is stuff crazy is, to me that um how expensive it's gotten
1: yeah yeah i mean it's it's pretty crazy um but, you know, I, I'm going to end I'll end with just what uh, what I'm passionate about, what I'm passionate about. And what I mean by that is the main thing when it comes to video and collecting that I really am passionate about is collecting for original Xbox. Something about the original Xbox and Microsoft's first entrance into gaming, I just really like. I really like the console they made. I have so many great memories of playing Xbox Live and playing all these, you know, great games on Xbox. And I I just think that I know that the Xbox 360, by all accounts, you know, not accounting for the Red Ring of Death, I know it was a better console than the Xbox, but I just really like how Microsoft came out and they're like, you know, we're, we're like the, we're like the edgy, we're the new edgy people in gaming. We came out with this big ass box and this big ass controller and we're making big ass games. And I, I, I just I look back at that time and I, I really think that the early aughts were like the golden age of gaming. Yeah, Xbox, PS2, and GameCube, just going at it with their own with their own strategies. They're all making great games. And uh I, me too. I, 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 I love just the you know for Xbox me, so I, I love the original Xbox.
0: So many memories with the original Xbox. To be honest, that and GameCube. Andrew, what's your favorite, uh, I guess, retro gaming console?
2: Uh, you know, I think my favorite one that I have would be the Sega Nomad. I think that...
0: The fuck is that?
2: Yeah, so the Sega Nomad was a handheld Sega Genesis, um, and it released in October of ninety five. Um, did you look that up or do you just happen to have that in your lexicon? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, it launched October 95. Yeah, it's pretty much a Nintendo Switch long before Nintendo Switch. It played home console games on just to go. And it's bulky. Um, and I mean, i feel found one a couple years ago on let go and someone was asking like $200 for it with like 20 I think I got 26 games with it um and I tried to I tried to get the price down a little bit lower I said like would you take 150 and they said no and I was like I'm I might never see one of these again I'm not gonna let $50 stop me uh so I got it um it came with a battery pack which apparently is like even more rare than the console itself. Uh, eight. It takes eight AA batteries. Uh, how, how many A batteries
1: does that take? <laughs> yup.
2: Yeah. My God. Uh, that thing, and then, that and thing then the battery batteries. life is only like three uh, to four hours. So yeah, of. so it has a battery pack that you just plug <laughs> into the wall and it charges it. And this thing is like, it sticks out from the back of it, it hooks onto the back and it just sticks out like a big square. But still yeah. cool because you can just like it's a battery pack. I mean, uh, you don't need batteries, um, which is really cool about it. Uh, um, yeah.
1: And the reason Andrew mentioned it's like a switch is because you could take a you could take audio video okay. cables and connect it from the Nomad and plug it into your cool. TV. Oh, yeah, playing no. Genesis games yeah, that's true. I actually no Man forgot about that. I was more
2: mentioning the Switch in the terms that you could play like portability, home console games on the go.
1: Uh, well, sure, but I mean with the Switch yeah. it's about uh, playing on the go but also playing so yeah, on the I TV. So yeah, I think that's, and that's one on of the my Man, favorite the same thing.
2: retro systems. I mean, it's just so weird. It's, it's crazy to think that like All the shit that Sega did back in the day, all the peripherals, all the shit that they tried, and how Sega was much like what Sony is today in the way that, like, they have all these different uh, departments that don't talk to each other, and they just kept creating different shit and putting it out, but they're flooding the marketplace with so much shit that they just failed, they could never, like, focus on, like, hey, here's here's our flagship thing. Everyone buy this. So, you know, they kept, putting like, having the Genesis and then having the Sega CD and then having the 32X add-on. And then, oh, by the way, here's the Saturn out at the same time, just that we're selling the 32X. Here you go, guys. You you want to buy this too? Uh, it's just they just had too much shit. Um, and I think that is why they eventually failed. Uh and but they're just uh, it's cool to find this shit because they so they're putting out so much and so few people are buying it that it's just rare to find it nowadays. Um, some of the stuff, uh, and then I think, uh, what else would I say?
1: Uh, I'll, I'll I'll go next real quick. I think. The, the my most favorite part of my collection is my I saw that today. Um,
0: dope.
1: translucent clear original Xbox. I've mentioned it before, um, but I, yeah, I I just I really like it. Um, also have the, have the translucent green Halo edition one, um, and then I, I just really I like uh, I you know I I don't really play because oh, cool. I only have a couple that's games that's for, it, but my uh, Neo Geo Pocket Color. You know it was, it was uh. It was you know, uh, in my opinion, better than the Game Boy Color, and it it has like this really cool like analog uh, analog stick in it. It's just really clicky and it's great for like fighting games and stuff. And I, you know, new uh, uh, S N K is another person who tried to get in the console space and they weren't very successful. But I think they made yeah. a really great handheld to just. It wasn't, uh, it, it probably wasn't my other favorite one,
2: I guess, would be my Virtual Boy, um, which is still in surprisingly great condition. Uh, I just really like these things of seeing seeing these game companies try something that was so far before its time, um, and and failing at it. And like, you know, I just said with the, the Nomad, how it's kind of like a switch before it's time. Well, this is clearly like the VR units of today. This is what Nintendo tried to do and they failed. <laughs> and it's just, it's just cool to have this, this, uh, this piece here that is so well maintained when most of these you see out in the wild are like decrepit looking because people are just kind of like, this thing sucks and just like threw it to the side
1: um yeah Well I I think it's a, it's a good lesson that you know the great technology we use today, there's always someone who did it first and there's always someone who failed first to yeah. uh, clear the path for other people to
2: um. do it more
1: successfully but, uh, what's if there's one thing Andrew, that you're still looking for that you really want? What you know, uh, that you I could still want to. I want to add a three D you know, my collection. Fine for a good deal. What you know? What yeah. is it?
2: I think that's the um. Also the I think the that or the yeah. Turbo Graphics sixteen. Those are the the two that I'm still like looking out for.
0: Yeah.
1: For me, I uh, I would love to get my own Virtual Boy in in you know good condition like you have, Um, and also um, I I want a Neo Geo. Yeah. Um, And they're (laughs) really hard to find, and they're also very expensive. Um, But Uh, Alex, I don't know if you. I, I doubt nice. you've ever seen a Neo Geo in person. I've only seen one in person, and that was at a gaming show. Uh, but it was made by SNK, and this was a system that used for its cartridges actual Muller boards for um for arcade cabinets, and so it made these cartridges were the size of like almost like the size of a small laptop, and um it, you had to you know plug these cartridges in this machine, huh. and it. It played, like, arcade-perfect games on this Neo Geo. But it just... Unfortunately, because of that, the cartridges are like, $200. um, And, you know, back in, like, early 90s. And they're even more expensive
0: now. All right. Well, I think that was was a really good discussion. Uh, I I eventually want to start collecting retro gaming things, but... uh... I need to move into a bigger place. I don't have enough room here. Yeah. So uh, when we do, that's what yeah,
2: I'm Yeah, I mean, I doing. will say that, you know, if my collection here, outside of a couple things that I had from... I actually don't have anything from my childhood still. I'm pretty sure none of it is. is. Uh, but my oldest thing is, I think my 64 that I bought online around like 2011 or 2012... That would be like the oldest thing in my collection, but other than the, just a couple things, just about everything in my collection I've gotten in the past two, three years. So, yes. yeah, so it's it's still out there. You, you know,
0: know, still absolutely, absolutely. It's still yeah.
1: Um, and then and then I I would say one other caveat to game collecting. Is that we live in a region in the United States that is not really great for game collecting. Um, the best places would be like the coasts, especially the West Coast, like in uh, in Washington and California, because they get like you know uh, Microsoft is based in uh, Washington, and um, that's that really is like the best place for retro gaming. And you know, unfortunately, here in the Midwest. You just, this just, is just, uh, just not a great place for retro, you know, retro game collecting? It's the um the availability is very limited, and and but there's so many people collecting that it's just yeah. I think I'll it's, also it's really say that uh, to, to find, you know,
2: Josh to get, see, isn't as big on the am, but I really like finding old pieces of just game memorabilia. Um, I don't have too much of it, but whenever I find it, I like to get it. If it's something that is in my my niche that i like one of my favorite things that i have is a vhs of this was a a nintendo used to put these out in the 90s and they're vhs's that you have to mail in and they'd send you them of just game demos and obviously you didn't get to play them but it was just like gameplay videos that they'd send you on vhs um and i have two of them i have a banjo kazooie one uh, wow. And I have a uh, Majora's Mask one um, that has a sneak peek of Banjo Tooie on it. Ooh. So those are also huh. uh, I like those.
0: Nice. But, nice. All right. Anyway. Well, if there's anything else, we will uh, wrap it up then. Yeah. All right, boys. I will talk to you next week. All right. All right Later. That's it.